This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Dave and Catherine Denuzzo talk about teenage mental health. How did COVID affect teenagers? What signs should we watch for in declining mental health? What can parents do to affirm their teenagers? Well, let's find out. Dave and Catherine are being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. So by way of introduction, Dave and Catherine Denuso live in Beloit with their four children. Dave is in a in diaconate formation as a deacon candidate for the Salina Diocese, and Catherine is a licensed professional counselor in private practice. Dave also operates a men's apostolate called True Manhood Catholic, where he travels the world speaking, putting on retreats, and encouraging males to live authentic masculinity. His info can be found at truemanhood.com. Catherine has recently created a new online resource for mental health, and all those resources can be found at sacredheartmentalwellness.com. Catherine is also the author of a book, The Catholic Guide Through Anxiety. We know that all good things begin with prayer, so would one of you be willing to lead us in a prayer for this next hour? Absolutely. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and loving God, we thank you so much for the good news of your love for us and our ability to be with you at the end of this life in heaven. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you and help us to make all things directed towards you, your glorification, and may we be made holy And Lord, we pray for this hour for our words to be your words and for this discussion to help parent or individual or teenager who may need some help. And we thank you, Lord, for the natural methods of handling all of the struggles that we may come across and help us to know that we can rely on you fully for all things. And we pray in absolute glory of your name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so let's just get rolling with with this conversation. So it seems like our youth, you know, are experiencing more mental health issues in than in years past. We hear it, you know, more and more about, you know, teen suicide, you know, the depression, all those kinds of things, and that they're, it's happening to them younger and younger. So what is, what is it in our culture that is causing this? Well, I think it's important to maybe talk about the culture first, and then Catherine will come on and uh, certainly give her expertise on, on the mental health issues. But we know that in our culture, we are experiencing a, a really a, a break, a very disordered lack of relationship with God as, as a people in general. So this is, a, this is a generalization, but we are in a post-Christian world and have lost, as a culture, have lost really value. So we, we don't value life. We don't value uh, goodness. We, we, we've found ourselves in a great chasm 
Now, there are, sure, plenty of good things that are happening, but across the board, we are void of God, and we, we are void of uh, so much goodness. So we, all, we can all see it. We can all see the impacts and the effects of these things happening, uh, and certainly the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of marriage, the people who have turned away from the faith, the decrease in numbers of baptisms and weddings in the church, and so on and so on and so on. We know, and it snowballs into what I think is going to really be a major part of this answer of what's what's what are the kids experiencing? I mean, we're all experiencing it, but when it snowballs this much, there is such a lack of hope, which leads to despair. Mm-hmm. And we, as a culture, we're flailing. And for those of us who know the answer, we can stay close to God and stay close to truth and hope in heaven. But when we are void of that as a culture, it is it is really debilitating. And so maybe, Catherine, you can kind of flesh out some of that and, and maybe especially of late what's happening with our teens. Just also to point out that what I shared of where we are as a culture, uh, it can be very negative and can seem overwhelming and almost to the to the point of like, what's the purpose? Like, how do I even overcome this? And, you know, this morning in Mass, Father Rockers gave us a great reminder that we don't do anything. We, we are only able to do anything that we do because God allows it. And so we can work to overcome so much, but he is really at—he's in control. And we have to remember that we have to rely on him and not ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, so Catherine, go ahead and, yeah, <laughs> bring us back to the— Hi, Catherine. That's a little better. I can, I can hear your laugh, so I know we're not breaking up. Oh, that's great. And I was just thinking, what beauty is that marital connection? Because that was a perfect segue into what I was going to say. Oh, you nice. need to know. Yeah, nice. Okay. So one of the things that I think we have to first start in the foundation of God created us, and he created us good. And so as a counselor, I am overly dorky about loving the brain and how amazing it is and what a gift it is. And... um I always say the more you learn about the brain, the more you learn about God. Mm. And so when we think about the struggles that our teens are going through, we have to first think about what is their brain processing? Mm. How is it impacting how we see everything? So I want to take just a quick second to go over a little bit of the biology of the brain so that people can understand what we're talking about. So there's two main parts of our brain when we're thinking about mental health. One is called your limbic system or your animal brain. It's the part that processes your emotions. It keeps you alive. It's really kind of that first directional piece. Um, And then your frontal cortex, which is like by your forehead, is where you kind of make those higher level thinking situations. And so years and years ago when Vietnam was going on and they first started learning about PTSD, they started doing these scans on 
brains of veterans. And they were seeing that that animal part of their brain was bigger because they were under stress a lot. Mm-hmm. And as it, it's almost like a muscle. When you're under a lot of stress, that part of the brain would get really big. And it was hard to regulate emotions and anger type things happened and depression and all of these things were impacted. Yeah. Well, this morning I was reading a study where they actually did the same MRI scans on teenager brains um, post-pandemic, and they're seeing similar results. And so what it's telling us and why this is so important for this conversation is it's telling us that, one, that is kind of funny. I was like, it's not in your head. I mean, it is in your head. <laughs> but it's like a lot of times we think, like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Like, why am I feeling this sadness? Why are the things that used to be fun not fun for me? Like, why am I struggling? Yeah. And when we can go and see that there's actually things that were impacted by the pandemic, yeah. because what the pandemic did and what this time in our world, like coming out of the pandemic, is it's full of unknowns. And if you go back to what we learn as parents when we have little kids, we teach them, you know, they tell us, have routine. Our brains love to know what's happening tomorrow and what's happening the next day. And it finds comfort in that and it relaxes in that. And so what has happened for our society in general is that we don't have that. Right. And so there's a trickle down effect. So where I really feel that the culture is affecting our teens, that not only are they struggling, like, you know, they had this break academically and now school is so much harder because we're trying to catch up and there's just lots of pressure to make up that time. But also the stable people in their lives are also struggling our teachers, our principals, our parents, our grandparents, right? So the people who they would hold on to and be like, okay, well, everything's okay. They're feeling the stress too. And so what we first have to acknowledge, and this is what I would say for any parent, grandparent, educator, is that we first have to love each other in that first step of like, this is hard. And like, This isn't the same as it was five years ago, and it's okay that we're struggling because when you take that first step, it enables you to do the, okay, now what step? That's that's pretty powerful. It really is. And, and you know, gosh, what a statistic about the, the COVID. And, oh, my goodness, you know, we, we know all of the effects. And I know, you know, Dave, you went through a huge struggle with COVID, but that that was visible. You know, some of this other stuff we, don't, we just don't see and we don't. So to have that actual scan to show that, that's pretty powerful. Absolutely. And what I hope it does is it gives people this permission to say, like, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say that I'm struggling and it's okay to use these resources. I personally have a soapbox and this is why Divine Mercy Radio is so important to me because you've always been open to mental health. And I think we have to change the narrative that if I'm struggling, there's something wrong. Then God made us beautiful. And sometimes things in our life impact how how our brains function. And there are resources out there to help. And what I think our students need more than anything is someone to say, like, I know this is hard and I know you're going through a lot and I'm going to do what I can to help you in this spot. 
can I fix every problem? I've had many a talks with my children about how much homework there is and the stress that they're having. And I, I can't change those things. But there are strategic things that Dave and I want to talk about today that can help, you know, ground that or like, you know, when you're in that foxhole together, that time is so much more productive and we can feel like we can make it together. The analogy I use for my clients all the time is I think that we're on like mile 20 of a marathon and our legs are tired and we want to quit, but I want to be the person handing you the water. And I can't run the rest of the mile, the rest of the marathon, but I can hand you a cup of water and be like, you got it. And I'm going to keep handing you that water as we finish this. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So how do they find you? We'll do this several times throughout, but but uh, somebody's listening and thinking, wow, I could really, really use uh, Catherine's services because, you know, in your introduction, we said that, that you were in private practice. So, so how can they find you? Well, so Catherine's information can all be found on sacredheartmentalwellness.com. Okay. Kind of a long website, but if they go to sacredheartmentalwellness.com, there are some resources there. Uh, there's links to uh, some some YouTube videos that Catherine has done with a, a Catholic YouTube channel, and also information about uh, other resources there. But primarily, we want to encourage people to check out her book, The Catholic Guide Through Anxiety. And so one of the things that's beautiful about the book, well, first of all, I'm totally biased. I love my wife. She's amazing. But what she did with this book is, you know, people with anxiety, which is all humans, it's natural. It's a natural response to the human body. You know, there's there's so many books on anxiety, and they're like 500 pages long, and they're super academic and intellectual, and that gives people with, like, big big amounts of anxiety a lot more anxiety. So this book is super easy to read. It's it's jam-packed with info, but it's, it's an easy read. It's 100 pages formatted to be digestible and tangible help or exactly what Catherine pointed out, that God made us good. You know, I use this, I use the paragraph one from the catechism so often in my talks and in my conversations. Just last night with my children, we were doing some catechesis. And I I went back to it. Paragraph one in the Catechism, okay, it's the very beginning. God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man that we may partake in his own divine life. God doesn't, he doesn't need us. He wants us. And he loves us. And his plan for us is so good. It is a plan of sheer goodness. I just love that language. And if we forget that and we think that what we're going through is insurmountable, we have to remember that God made us and he's got everything under control. And it's not for us to step in and try to take control ourselves. And so Catherine's information in her book and all throughout that uh, sacredheartmentalwellness.com website is pointing towards the fact that, that, there are natural methods that are Catholic for dealing with all of these struggles. And as she said, okay, 
And I, I think that points to the culture as well, that if you imagine, especially like, I, you know, it was really big, I think, in the 80s and 90s, this idea, and, and certainly before that, like really coming out of the 50s and 60s even, of everything's okay. Everything's okay. You're American. You are capable of getting through anything, but you've got to do it. Pull your bootstraps up and get to work and be self-made and no, you know, there's no problems. And, and that's led us to a place where now, especially our teenagers, they feel the pressure to perform. They yeah. feel the pressure to handle everything on their own. And that can be very detrimental in exactly what Catherine said earlier about all of this pressure yeah. that, that's going on and all this stuff that happened because of the pandemic. It is very real. Yeah. And, and people need to know that it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to reach out. It is okay to, to receive assistance. You know, we were not made to be individual. We were made to be in relationship. So uh, yeah, all of this type of stuff is covered in her book and yeah, I could keep going on and on about all these, these beautiful resources that Catherine has, but it is very real, and we need to let people reach out for help. Yeah. And what I was one thing I'd just like to add to what Dave said, and again, I I feel bad like plugging my book as a resource, but what I I would like parents to realize as we think about walking this journey with the kids, right, giving them water, is that. I wrote this book in a way where a lot of my clients read it with their student, with their kids, because it's funny. There's examples. It really makes it simple and it gives them an opportunity to say, Hey, look, I need this. You need this. Let's do this together. I made it small so it could be in your teenager's room, right? Like I always imagine college campuses. I wish that it was on every college campus student's dorm shelf because we have to admit if you go to your teen right now and say hey can we talk about your mental health they're not going to be like thanks mom (laughs) I can't wait to talk about this with you yeah but what so what I tried to create this as a resource is something that like maybe you just flip it on their bed and like they see it it's funny it's easy to read They get some, you know, feels like someone's with them or they're seen. I have one friend who said that reading it with her daughter was like I was sitting there next to her and telling her this. So my key point is that finding ways that they can walk together with their teen and those who that they love through this, these challenges, we can go so far when we have each other in our community. Wow, what a great resource. It's called The Catholic Guide Through Anxiety. The Catholic Guide Through Anxiety. Can they get that on, on Amazon, at, at uh, Messenger Traditional Catholic Store? Where where should they go to get that? So it can be ordered on the website at sacredheartmentalwellness.com. Nice. Uh, it, it is available on Amazon as well. Okay. Um, yeah. And there's also an ebook option so they could get that and download it and begin reading right away. Right away. And, and the video for those who are like, I, there's no way I'm going to get my teen to read this book. Mm-hmm. There is a 20 minute video that covers basically the same information, not quite as in depth as the book, but definitely teaches that 
this is what's happening in your body so you don't feel crazy. And that is a challenge that I think our teens are seeing is because I know when you were talking to Bill earlier, you were talking about social media and how people just show this front, right? And so what tends to happen with our teens is I have all these feelings and I keep them in the dark, right? What if someone knew that I was struggling? What if, you know, this, you can see this in me. And so when we can give them spaces to like be seen and known that it's okay that you're struggling, I think that's a big first step in helping them to walk with you instead of them keeping it in the dark where it's hard. In the dark, you can't, you know, God's so amazing in his analogies, you know, nothing good happens in the dark. We need to take a break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about teenage mental health with Dave and Catherine Denuzzo. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. Teenage Mental Health. With Dave and Catherine Denuzzo. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. We are talking with Dave and Catherine Denuso, talking about teenage mental health. Huge problem right now. Gotten worse with with the the COVID virus and, you know, just all, I think, all the things surrounding COVID and and everything that we did with isolating ourselves and taking away all of the the, um, contact and relationships that we had with people. And so many things um, go into that. And and Catherine can speak to that much better than I am. But, uh, you know, so much worse and hearing so many things and there are so many things that play into it. What is the most common mental health issue for teens? Um, that that they're experiencing, and why do you think that? Uh, I think that the number one always is not feeling like they're enough. And the world, and when I say the world, I don't always mean that in the most positive way, reinforcing that. Yeah. And so not feeling you're enough and looking to find ways to feel like you're enough. Yeah. And... And again, I think that one of the things that we as adults forget is how important kids' social networks are to them. As I was thinking about the isolation you were talking about in the article today about the brain scan said this too, is that when we as adults were isolated with our kids, I'm not going to lie. I loved every minute of it. Why don't I get to spend time with these amazing people anymore? Like, why do I do this to myself? And all my best friends were in the same house. All the people I wanted to spend time with were right there. And I was so excited. My, my children, not so much. (laughs) I wasn't their best friend that they were excited to spend time with. Yeah. And so in those those isolation times we didn't they didn't have that social connection that what I say fills your love tank. Like helps me feel validated, helps me feel heard, 
you know, talking with people who understand me. And so I really feel there was just this overall feeling of not enough. And then when we've come out of the pandemic, there's just a lot of pressures with what schools look like, you know, academic holes, all of those things. And so I really believe the root is not feeling like you're enough. And, you know, just to piggyback on what Bill had said earlier about, yes, we absolutely need to have the foundation that God made you good, therefore you are enough. And we as parents finding ways to validate that in our children so that they can feel that they're enough, they can see. In our house, we had to have a kind of family meeting about my 10-year-old because she's my baby, the youngest, and she wants to tell everyone about everything that happens in fourth grade. And my teenagers are not as excited about what happens in the fourth grade. Yeah. But learning and helping them see that, like, taking those small moments to just hear about what happened, you know, in the lunch line about, you know, the new chicken nuggets. Yeah. (laughs) Helps my fourth grader feel enough and seen and valued. And, you know, we need to remember that with our children. Oh, my goodness. We need to remember that while those things may not be interesting to us, it validates them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, just and such a good reminder. You know, I think we, you know, in some, in some, to some extent, I think we all know that, but we tend mm-hmm. to get into the busy busyness, and you know, it just, you know, who cares about nuggets, right? You know, um, but uh, it's so important, and and so I think that's a really good reminder to all of us as parents out there that we need to be as excited as our children are about their things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um, red flags, because you had talked about, you know, how often, you know, the the teens will will keep it hidden. They'll they'll try to handle it themselves. They're going to muscle through it. They, you know, they don't want anyone to know that they're struggling. So what are some of the red flags that parents can see so that they can they can help their teens that are suffering? Yeah, and the first one, I think, is isolating um, from the family, from things that they enjoy. When you see someone withdrawing, I think that those are very important signs to be aware of. And I would challenge parents because what I see in my caseload a lot is that parents will come to me with concerns about their their children, but their children are telling them all these these hard thoughts and these hard feelings And the parent doesn't know what to do, and it almost creates this existential crisis. Like, I wish I could go back to when I just wanted them to eat bananas or, you know, (laughs) those smaller things. And and here's this this child talking to me about something that I don't know the answer to. And they think that that's their biggest fear. And I would challenge that the warning sign is when they're not talking to you. When you're not, they're not sharing those with you. I would, that would be a number one concern. Lack of hygiene is a sign of depression. So when they stop showering, when they um, aren't washing their clothes, those things are very concerning to me. Of course, you know, I we have to bring it up that the suicide rate within teens and young adults is skyrocketing exponentially. And so to be aware of them giving things away you know, sometimes we take those end of life comments maybe too loosely, like being aware of like having those conversations uh, when someone says something like, well, 
don't worry, you won't see me tomorrow. And we're thinking they mean because I'm working. Um, So being aware of those type of comments. And the key is, so then, you know, that sounds scary. Like, okay, we're just talking about these red flags and they seem overwhelming. Or I see some of those with my, my child is realizing that it's okay to ask for help, to talk to them, talk to their principals, their school counselors, you know, reaching out to counselors themselves that, If you have a student where you're seeing a lot of these red flags and you're like, that's my kid, there are resources out there. Parents, please, if you can hear my begging counselor voice, we want to think we can do it all on our own, but sometimes they just need to hear the same thing you just said by someone else. (laughs) So not being afraid to say, okay, I do need someone else to help me assess like how my kid is doing and being proactive in those things. I would also add that parents, and I think this happens more frequently with moms and especially newer moms, but parents need to trust the intuition that they have that was given to us mm-hmm. through parenthood. I mean, it's that re- that relationship with our kids, like God chose us to raise them. God chose us to care for them and their souls. And so we have some intuition when we think, wait, something's not right with this kid. They're different. What we can't just, we can't just, uh, you know, shuck that off and and, and say, well, it's probably nothing. When a, when a child that we've experienced for, you know, an extended period of time stops doing a particular activity or they stop talking or maybe they seem to be daydreaming a lot more. Uh, Someone described it recently to us that they feel numb. They don't know what to do. They, They don't know how to handle everything that's going on in their life. Well, all of those types of signs, if we slow down and trust our parent, you know, our parental intuition, we we can know, okay, wait a second, something's off. And then I think this is probably a good time to say, well, what can we do about it? So we have kids that are experiencing all of this isolation. They're feeling all this pressure. Certainly the the, the pressure of the world and, and, you know, uh, everybody's highlight reel on social media and so forth. Well, one, get them off of social media. I know it's hard for some parents to, to, to hear that and to consider like my kid needs boundaries, um, but all of us need boundaries. And there are just certain things that are not healthy for, for children. They can't process everything. Uh, There's stuff that adults shouldn't have to process uh, that, that are, you know, that we're bombarded by with the culture and with things that are on social media, as we all know, um, and online and so forth. But, what are some things that we can do? So when we notice a child who is withdrawing or we're seeing something that's maybe a little bit off and we're trusting our intuition as their parent, we can share with them honestly and without, without pointing a finger, we're not placing blame, there's no judgment that we're noticing that something may not be okay, it may not be right. Now, 
in this situation, when we're dealing with our children, if you don't have the closeness of a relationship with your kid that you think you want, you have to work on that Mm. and you have to take the lead in that. So if you're in a more rough situation with, let's say your teenagers and you're just not connecting on things and they think you're lame or not cool or everything you do is wrong. uh, Yeah. You're probably, you're probably lame. No, (laughs) Uh, I'm but, late. I tell them. I own it. But so we would need to work with that relationship and have ownership. Uh, I've, I've said this for many years that we often expect our teenagers to make adult-like decisions, but we don't give them adult information. So we withhold truth. We withhold full meaning of words and, you know, things that they come across maybe they hear something in a tv show or a movie or in a song lyric or they heard something at school and they can't quite put together what it means and if we haven't given them that foundation of asking questions or or it being a safe opportunity for them to show vulnerability uh, we have to work on that we we have to get to a place where our kids trust us um, but so then when you get to that scenario and you have the opportunity to talk with your kid and you're noticing these, you know, red flags, the warning signs that something's off or something's not okay, leading with your weakness is is a great opportunity. So we, we've known and we've heard about using I statements instead of you statements. So when I'm talking with my children, I acknowledge my sinfulness in yeah. front of them. I apologize to my children for mistakes I've made. I apologize for areas that I'm, you know, I have deficiency. I am vulnerable with my kids to to an extent. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to them for confession, you know, and I, they're not my mental health counselor. But by leading with my weakness, I'm able to say I've experienced some things. Maybe not exactly what you're experiencing, but... I understand that things are hard, and I'm here to listen. I'm here to be a, a safe set of ears. And I know as myself, and this could just be that I'm a male and that I, I you know, my natural response is to fly into fix-it mode. I can just listen and say, wow, I hear you. That sounds really difficult. I love you. And then we cannot, we cannot downplay the importance of physical touch, you know, giving them a hug, like eye contact. These, these little things that I, I think probably a lot of parents aren't doing with their teenagers, like, oh, my kid doesn't want me to hug them. Or like, well, maybe they don't want you to hug them in public, but hug them at the, you know, in the living room. Yeah. Um, and, and, as you said, important, those, those little things where our kids feel safe to be able to talk to us, we, we know they're happening, and we can really make an impact on them. When, yeah, the kind of last point on this is just when we hear them, and they, are, they actually take the opportunity to open up to us, and we do it right, we respond properly, and we just, you know, it's little things like, oh, wow, I hear you. 
That sounds so difficult. Thank you so much for telling me. Um, please, please tell me how I can help. But I love you. And again, just telling our kids, like by our by our verbals and our nonverbals, that you're enough. You're okay. And you know that it just builds the relationship, and that really goes a long way with our kids. Yeah. And sorry, I just want to add one quick thing to what he said. Uh-huh. Is that I'm thinking about these parents who are like, oh, that's so hard. Like. They're just complaining that I make them clean all the time, but they don't even clean all the time, right? And so what I really want to challenge the parents is if you choose to have this conversation, which I highly recommend, is just small little moments. Like you don't have to have a big like defining the relationship talk. You can just have these little moments, but really to realize that we have time, that God gives us the gift of time and prayer. So with our kids, when we have these moments where they come at us or talk to us about various things, my mind's going 100 miles an hour how to fix it. But in my moment, I just say, you know, thank you for sharing this with me. I'm going to take it to prayer to see how we can help and let's re-talk about this tomorrow. So I'm not feeling the pressure to have a solution yeah. or anything. I'm just saying I hear you and I'm going to take that and I'm going to pray about it. And I'm we're going to we're going to come up with a way to help. But I need, like, it's okay to take time to think or where we might call up a friend and be like, okay, you've had more kids than me. How how did you deal with this with your team, right? So that I can come back with a good response. You don't have to in the moment. What they need is to just to feel heard and that someone will hold that for them for a minute so they can take it off their shoulders. As a mom of of eight over the years, I've, you know, I've realized that you got to find that time when talking is natural to them for you know for example one of mine it was when we were doing dishes together they would just you know open up and tell me all kinds of things and we were chatting another one I would need to to go to a coffee shop and we'd have coffee and and talk my my youngest one when I was the oldest right my youngest one loved to talk whenever he would get home at night so I'd sometimes sit up until midnight just so that I could talk with him about what was going on and and uh you know so I think you know it's important to find the time when it's not when it's natural for them to want to talk and it's not some kind of forced conversation yeah and parents please especially dads please realize that what your kid needs is more important than what you're doing. Yeah. So there's, there's this kind of cliche statement that kids spell love P I M E our time, our presence with our kids is so important. And we have such a small amount of time with them before, you know, they fly away from the nest that, I, I did not do this well early on. You know, it was like, I have to work. I have to do this. I want to do this. And now I've realized I've been doing this for the last several years. If my kid comes to me and says, Dad, can we play catch? Dad, can we sit and cuddle? Dad, you know, any whatever their need is, I just stop doing what I'm doing and do what they want to do and you know what it actually you know it could be a small amount of time turn the radio off listen to them do what's important to them it doesn't have to be hours and hours it could be five minutes it it just 
validating them, that is that those are like those natural times. Like you're talking, like when a kid, like when our, one of our teenagers comes in at 1030 at night into our room, we know that they're there on purpose. Like they've taken the time to come see us. We're going to stop what we're doing and give them that extra long hug or have that conversation if that's what they want to do. But like, being aware, like getting out of our own way. Uh, and I know for the dads, that's hard. Like, yeah, my kids are, you know, they're on my case or they're, they're annoying or, you know, they want to do this or don't want to do that. And I'm busy or I got my golf game or I got to work on my vehicle or, you know, it's like I said to Catherine the other day, we were having a very, we were having a very um, heavy conversation with our teenage daughters. And, you know, I wasn't seeing it the way they were seeing it, but I said to her later, like, how could they, how could they imagine that, that I'm not there for them? Like that I'm, I'm forcing them to do all this other stuff. Like, look at how dirty my pickup is. My pickup, my pickup was never dirty before kids. Yeah. (laughs) If you go see my pickup now, it's not clean. It's a mess. That is a direct sign that I choose them a lot more than I choose myself. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll get through it, you know, and maybe, maybe this weekend, like, or later today when it's 70 degrees out, I'll say, Hey, let's go, you know, can you help me clean my pickup? You know? yeah. <laughs> and that may be the source of conversation right there is cleaning your pickup. That may be when they open up. That could be it. Yeah. (laughs) So good. We are talking with Dave and Catherine Denuto. They are talking about teenage mental health. And uh, wow, what what tremendously good information. Um, You know, we've been been talking about the, the different types of mental health. I know that there are some 2022 statistics on the website on the state of mental health in America. And it states that over 60% of teenagers with major depression do not get treatment. So I know, Catherine, as a licensed professional counselor, you can offer that. Let's give some information again on your website, on your book, and any other um, types of of, uh, resources that you would like to share for how our teens can get treatment. You know, and you had mentioned earlier, you know, parents, they tend to want to handle it themselves. And I, I am absolutely one of those parents. And I think in our own humility and in our love for our children, sometimes we just need to realize we got it. We got to turn it over to, to somebody else. And, and, you know, it, it's just not going to come from us at this moment. Absolutely. And I think that what I tell parents is finding mental health, and I'm just going to be honest, treatment can be complicated. Um, It's something that we need to work on. Um, So what I always recommend first is if you think your student is struggling, um, to start with your priest, your principal, your school counselors, um, and and also Catholic Charities. And the reason I say, but mostly those main close contacts, is those are resources that God put in our lives to help us. And they have lists of counselors in your area, ones that they have worked well with. Um, they're really good at helping you to make that connection. Because, yes, you can go on CatholicTherapist.com. There's lots of uh, different websites like that where treatment is available. But 
sometimes that just feels overwhelming. So when you can go to someone who you already know, who already loves you, loves your student, and they can give you some resources, um, that's the first place that I would go. And like for me, I offer a free informational session for my clients um, so that we can see if it's a good fit, if the student, you know, will actually talk to me and, and finding that is really important. So I really think the reason most people don't get into treatment is one is that the teens aren't saying anything. So people don't know they're in struggling as much Two, that there's a stigma. So again, anytime we can help people, anyone realize that like mental health is not because there's something bad with you or that you're not strong enough that it is like kind of the way the brain is working and then we can work within that um, they're more likely to reach out for help and then it's just overwhelming to find the resources and so breaking that into a smaller piece I think is really important that is like okay I can go to my priest and say you know can you help me get some resources and they can do that or again your principals your counselors your teachers they all have lists and can help walk you through the process yeah. to getting help so you don't feel so overwhelmed yeah. in the process. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, and also I think you mentioned that these, uh, the statistic of over 60% of teenagers with major depression, they don't get treatment. So when we're seeing these major signs of major depression, it's it's got to be something that's urgent. Yeah. Uh, we have to we have to get that help right away. Um, so don't, don't put it off. Yeah. And when our teens are giving us these signs that they're not okay, we, we have to deal with it. That might mean taking off work and having them out of school with you, uh, a mental health day. Um, but, but there are resources out there. It can be hard to navigate. So what we want to do also is let people know that they can reach out to us and we can uh we we would not be that direct priest principal local counselor option but they can reach out to us so like we said on Catherine's website sacredheartmentalwellness.com people can can get a hold of us there and also on truemanhood.com if you're i mean I'd happy to, I'm happy to help the moms but if you're a dad and and you just need some some ideas or some help, um, I, I'd be happy to talk with you. So contact me through truemana.com, and uh, we don't want to leave you in the lurch trying to figure this all out on your own. So um, it's a lot to process, but, but we're happy to uh, also be a resource. Thanks for tuning in to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. This year, Divine Mercy Radio is celebrating Mother Angelica, and so we will end this show with a quote from Mother Mother Angelica said, Never lose sight of the fact that you are a beloved of God. Thank you, Mother Angelica. Please pray for us. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, pardon not your hearts. <laughs>